Yeah, with the made-up story. How dare you say her story is made up, Caleb? There are no facts to back her story, but that doesn't mean that she made it up. Right, right. There's absolutely no evidence to... Last week, a wolf attacked me as I was running along the road. Oh, do you have any any scars? No, I fought the wolf off because I'm a big, strong man. Since when? I don't think it's working. Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Rebecca. I'm Caleb. And I can't hear that because I forgot to draw on my side. I'm Strawberry Shortcake. And I'm not a flavor of ice cream that's mediocre at best. I'm Amanda. And I'm vanilla. <laughs> hey, <laughs> vanilla is one of the most underappreciated flavors of ice cream. People like to think that vanilla is just a boring flavor. I love vanilla. But vanilla is a very complex flavor. It's a rock star. I have vanilla yogurt for breakfast every morning. There is a reason it's the most popular and not just because you can dump other stuff on it. It's reliable. Okay, but Rachel, you have vanilla yogurt in a shake, right? What? No. You, oh, the shake is separate from everything else we do? No, I do. I have energy balls with vanilla yogurt for breakfast. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> Like it took me a second, and then it really kicked in. <laughs> the, the, the yogurt from the balls—it's just greatness. Continue. I don't think it's ener- here, Nate. Nate, I just don't think it's energy balls anymore. Um, I, and then I make a smoothie. It's not a shake; it's a smoothie. Mm, just has ice cream with coconut water and protein powder and uh, frozen fruit and spinach and a banana. That sounds terrible. It's wonderful. You know what it sounds? Healthy. Well, you said the same thing. No, I don't mind health food. I just don't like my solids and my liquids to mix like that. I, I, I don't like leaves in my shakes. Yeah, me either. Really. Whatever. You like the smoothies I make. Yeah, they're good, but I wouldn't eat it as a staple like you do. I just feel like once you're liquefying foods, the slippery slope to like a Big Mac shake. Like, that is quite the slope. <laughs> Let's start talking about something that makes me want to vomit less. I just have a phobia of meat shakes. <laughs> I have a phobia of meat shakes. As Nate is eating a burger, this is not exactly helpful. I'm 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 with the phobia of meat shakes. I just don't think that liquefying my food is like the steps to that. Hey, they got Jack in the Box. We should take. But a they trip. pay for it with the state that they live in. That's true. We should take a trip to Kansas City to get Jack in the Box someday. Is that really the closest Jack in the Box to you? Well, I don't have, we don't have Chick-fil-A. So, know, so. When, is, when is it time for us to talk about? This is the introduction. The, no, 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 can't no, rush no, no, no. Hear me out. When is it time, since this is the barely saved podcast, to talk about the bear that Trump rides on those posters that you see with him and the submachine gun and the flag waving and he's riding a bear and he's like super ripped. Never. I don't know. Are you talking about Putin? Really want to talk about that. Okay. Uh, so first, Nate, I've not seen that picture. Yeah, I, I'm going to need evidence. You're missing out. So the fact that I've not seen it exist. You're missing out. I can't talk about it. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to share the image. Okay. Oh, wow. If you, if you Google <laughs> Trump riding a bear. I'm finding other it's... pictures that are a little bit more... Exciting. 
damn it. Trisky click of the day. Riding a bear. Okay. We'll skip the one where he and Vladimir. Look at this one. I like this one. On yep. <laughs> I just saw that one. Oh, no. Somebody can buy this. Here, I got you. Caleb, don't worry. I got you. I'll put it in the chat for you. Don't worry. There you go. Now you can look at it. I I don't know that we need to talk about these. uh... (laughs) I think we already did. Yeah, I think that this conversation here. There's cranes in the background. Okay, he's not super ripped. I was wrong about that detail. Which one? But there's a there's a flag oh yeah and there's a submachine gun or a machine gun or whatever is it better than ronald reagan riding a dinosaur (laughs) i mean what is that a velociraptor no the fact that you can actually buy this flag that has trump riding on a bear so is it's not just that oh you can actually buy this magnet that has putin riding trump so i'm pretty sure there's somebody in our town that has that flag is the problem Oh, dear. The problem is not that you can buy one, but that I've seen flags like that waving around. We're talking about the the one that, like, with him with a purple heart. On a bear. The purple heart with with a Great Wall of China behind him. (laughs) That's the one? I didn't look that closely. Oh, oh, Caleb. (laughs) There was cranes in the back. I don't know. No, Caleb, you gotta... they're, they're they're, They're saying that he's building... A wall, and that's the only wall they know of in existence. Which didn't work. Well, it is a very famous wall. I know. Haven't they seen Mulan? It didn't work. Sean, you just went right over there. (laughs) (laughs) It just popped out of the snow like daisies. Well, actually, I take it back. The Great Wall of China did work. They cut down the trees. They cut down all of the trees within 70 miles of a stretch of it and created the giant desert so I, I put the just the image in chat so the wall created an ecological disaster i'm mm. sure oh it's the flag oh the the trump riding the bear with the machine gun and yeah so i've got 20 paid 25 dollars for that like uh 25.95 plus shipping and handling oh gross none of those are as good as the boston globe uh picture I don't know, Caleb. the The fact again, he's got a purple heart. Sorry, heart. please cut that, somebody. I think that that's the. Uh, he didn't even <laughs> serve in the military. With a weapon, does it have a chainsaw on it? No, I think that's a bayonet. <sighs> right here. Oh, I thought you just meant sticking up no, off the no, end. That's the barrel. No, no, that's the barrel. Well, it looks uneven. And they've got cranes building the Great Wall of China. Right. Anyways, the Great Wall of China. It was a success. They made an ecological disaster. It created jobs. For tens of thousands of Chinese workers. So, like, building a wall, destroy the environment, and create jobs at the same time. That sounds like an absolute win. Except that it happened in China. Well, well, we can do exactly what China's doing. That's the whole point. No, 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 no. We're going to do it different, and it's going to be much, much, very much better. Right. We're already starting in a desert. So the ecological disaster will look different. Mm Mm-hmm. The difference is we're going to kick all the Jaguars who are finally making their way back into New Mexico New Mexico, and Arizona out. So my question is, why a bear? Oh, he's on the lion in a couple of pictures. Yeah, he's definitely riding a lion. I True. know, but True. but in the flag, 
On the, in the actual like flag image, it's a bear. Is this our did you know at this point? Because the one with Putin on the bear came out around the time he was, I don't know, running or something. And he had to do better. So he had to be on a bear too. He couldn't let Putin be on a bear and him not be on a bear as well. Okay, well, let's move on to our did you know then? Because it's funnier. Well, it's not really funny, but it's interesting. An Atlanta woman wakes up to find a wild African cat on her bed. Ooh. I blame Joe Exotic. Hey, what's he up to these days? He's in prison. He's still in prison <laughs> in Oklahoma. <laughs> no, he's in prison in Fort Worth. Oh, he's in Fort Worth. I missed that part of it. I thought it was Oklahoma. Yep. He he got COVID. Oh, did he? Did he? Yeah. Did he oh, survive? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, if he's still in prison, that means he's... <laughs> it's pretty hard to kill a cockroach. That's true. So an Atlanta woman woke up to a surprise when a cat that was not hers... Jumped onto her bed Wednesday morning. She was even more shocked to discover the cat was a serval, an exotic cat native to Africa. <laughs> Christine Frank, who lives in the Brookhaven neighborhood, told CNN the cat came in the house shortly after her husband took their dog outside, leaving the door open. The cat was just six in- inches from her face. Frank said she scared it off the bed. That is not a normal house cat. I don't know what that is, but I'm terrified right now. Frank said she slowly got out of the room and her husband opened a bedroom door that led outside, allowing the cat to leave the house. Oh. Was it was it nice. a bobcat? Was it a leopard? I want to know where this cat came from. Okay, we still want to know. Okay. Let's read It came farther. from Africa. Didn't you hear that? Um, she called animal control. She said it, mm. it kind of terrifies me because that cat is illegal. And there's a reason it's illegal. So are animals illegal now? We decided humans can't be illegal. Can animals be illegal? Uh, humans can be illegal. Yeah, hum- humans can be illegal. Uh, yes, cats can be illegal. Like, it's it's definitely there's a reason it's illegal. Um, it's not native, and we have a whole thing about things that aren't native or are illegal. So the cat is still on the loose. Uh, she estimated to be about two and a half feet tall. It looks like it seems like it must be someone's pet. So owning a wild cat is illegal in Georgia, but there are no federal laws against it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it was my cat, and I'm seeing this news article, and it, it came back home. I'm just not going to let it outside again. Like, that's the solution. Yeah. That, it's true. Um, so a serval <clears throat> is... It's They're pretty. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think that the idea of it being a wild cat misses the point that no cat is domestic. All wild, all cats, including your little house cat, it's a wild cat. If it was big enough, it would eat you in a heartbeat. My child told me the other day, that cats domesticated themselves. Yeah, no, it's a trap, okay? Those cats are... Listen, you just hate cats. I think the thing is is they're just smart enough to know that like, oh, this is a nice, easy, cushy life. I don't actually have to hunt for anything. Right. I'm I'm into this. Like they they go along with it because it's easier for them. A house cat will devour its it's owner if it dies. Exactly. Like that cat, that serval is just as domestic as any house cat. It's just... Not the same species, but it's just it's domestic because cats are all wild. When I was in high school, there was a guy in town that had one of these and we would go to walk at the park and sometimes he'd be out walking his serval cat. We'd stop and pet it. They're so pretty. They really are pretty. It's fun. I want one. All right. So you can own a serval in 18 states. You can own a serval without a license. In Nevada, Idaho, Wisconsin, Alabama, Alabama, oh, that was weird, South Carolina, North Carolina, and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. 
You can obtain a license to own a serval in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Texas, Arizona, Mississippi, Missouri, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Maine. Really? <laughs> Pennsylvania and Maine kind of surprised me, but the rest don't. No, you know what surprised me? That you had to have a license to get one in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably you can have more a tiger surprising, in actually. Texas. You can have a tiger in Oklahoma, but you have to have a license to have a serval? Come on. Yeah, this, some, some of these things are shocking because it's like, wait, hold on. I need a license in Pennsylvania to have a cat? That's weird. Meow. But it's a bigger cat. So hearkening back to our hybrid discussions of li- <laughs> uh, tigers and lions and bears... Um, oh my. Thank you, Amanda. Oh my um, gosh. In, in 1986, the first Savannah cat, a hybrid between a male serval and a female domestic cat, was born. Larger than a typical domestic kitten. I just don't buy it. Resembled its father in its coat pattern. It's, it appeared to have inherited a few domestic cat traits, such as tameness from its mother. This cat breed may have a dog like habit of following its owner about and can be a good swimmer. Over years, it has gained popularity as a pet. Really? House cats are native to Africa. I'm not buying that that was the first time that they bred. No. Oh, well, I'm sure, but... Known. First known. known. Ooh, that's cute. Well, especially is the cross... Is the, the hybrid sterile? No. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Breeding techniques. Well. <laughs> 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 Like I said, that must have been awkward. Um, a serval cat requires special diets. This is not a cat you can feed meow mix and assume their nutritional needs are met. What, what, they, they need a slightly higher protein diet. So you're going to need to get that like vegan cat food. Well, not the vegan cat food. Sorry, that's the opposite of one. I meant. The one that's like no grains. That's what you need. Hmm. This website says that you should feed them eggs and chicken and uh, salmon, snapper. Or let them outside, and they can eat all the puppies in the neighborhood. <laughs> and then their nutritional needs are met. If if you're at my house, you'll just eat baby birds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nate didn't know that story. Let's not tell it. Oh, what? Nate didn't know that story? We'll leave it to you to break it to him later. No, Nate doesn't know that story. Yep, now you have to tell him later. <laughs> I don't know. I think that could be a sto- told on the podcast. That'd be that'd just be great. Matt's dog chomped a baby bird. Is basically the oh, short story. and you don't think that's funny at all. Neither did Matt. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Tears. <laughs> no, it's sad and not funny and funny all at the same time. Yeah, I don't think it was funny when it happened, but because we we watched this baby bird hatch and we watched we were watching it grow and we had taken a picture of it every day, and Matt went out to take a picture and the dog came out. And the baby bird all of a sudden jumped out of the nest, and the dog swallowed the baby bird whole. Oh, no. And it had... Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Hey, no, I'm sorry. I don't have any words of consolation. <laughs> we had a baby. Hold on. Hold on, Caleb. Hold on. Transition music? What is that for? Serval cats are not recommended for households with young children. They play using their teeth and claws, and they may be too rough with children or view them as toys or prey. Fair enough. Not likely, but it is possible. Okay, sure. Okay. All right. As Lola again commented, I don't know who that is. We had a baby. That's where it really went downhill. Our pet Serval hated the baby. He slapped and hissed at us after we handled the baby. We had to keep them separate 24-7. It was exhausting. And then Lola says, it happened. The Serval attacked our baby. 
I mean, dun, it's dun, a circle. Dun. It's a wild it's cat. It's not a... Yeah, even if it were a domestic cat. I mean, you still don't, like... Here's the thing. If you had a house cat that's two and a half feet tall... Yeah. I wouldn't trust that around my kid. I mean, I don't yeah. leave our animals unsupervised, well, for the most part, unsupervised around. The average life expectancy for a serval is 22 years. I want to say something before we speak. Is that okay, ladies and gentlemen of the jury? No, because we've been talking for a long time, Matt. You can say something before we start this segment, but not before we begin speaking. It doesn't matter what you say, he's going to say it anyway. I know. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a big deal about citing sources, I would like to cite my sources prior to our conversation. Wait, where's that conversation about citing sources? The look of despair on everyone's face just now oh, is delightful. A, you haven't been a part of uh, Twitter recently, have you, Caleb? What are your sources? Mark Driscoll? Yeah, my, Mark Driscoll, uh, his, his book, Something About Manhood. No, so the first one is The Myth of a Christian Nation by Greg Boyd. Ooh. The next source is Reading Revelation Responsibly by Michael Gorman. Isn't that supposed to say Revelations? You get out of here. Oh, <laughs> And you knew you did it too. <sighs> Good job. Well done. 10 out of 10. That's the only reason I came here. Here Are Your Gods by Christopher J.H. Wright. All texts that are very important. If I've read none of those, can I still be part of the conversation? Yes, but my views are informed by these and I want to make sure... That the podcast audience knows that. Okay, I read the Bible. <laughs> In preparation for this podcast, Caleb read the, the Bible. Bible. So did uh, Aaron Metaxas, and here we are. <laughs> Just all of it, from start to finish, cover to cover. Um... Ah. I've listened to people talk about those books in podcasts, etc. I've just not actually read them. I feel like that's what we're here to do today is listen to people talk about those books in the podcast. I don't think that's the case. I think we're here to have a conversation about some of those concepts. We'll have a conversation, but I'm here for you guys to help me by greeking things at me. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of greeking. I don't don't know how much Greek there's going to be. Sorry. Well, um, Revelation was written in what language? Probably Greek. English. Duh. Revelations was in English for sure. But Revelation was in Greek. The remainder of this segment segment will be focused on the uh, apology of Christian nationalism so that everyone will yeah. come to the I'm, I'm for it. Let's defend Christian nationalism. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. So here's the thing. As Christians... We only want other people to be Christians. And the best way to do that is to make laws so that everyone has to be Christian, just like me. Mm. And then the the people, like, because they're forced into the... The religion of the state. Like, the results, yeah, the results of the laws uh, constraining their activity in society to look like Christians and they will become Christians because Mm -hmm. it's like a fake it till you make it. And then they'll have true freedom. Plus it makes it easier to go and spread the word because there is nothing else known. You don't have anything to spread. The government makes everyone, it's doing your job for you. So it's much easier for me to follow. I feel like I read a book about that. And it was. I think I read a lot of books about that. (laughs) Okay. May the odds be ever in your favor. If we simply 
institute Christianity in our schools with like prayer and all of those things, then every kid will already be evangelized and the church doesn't need to do anything. So we can just live our life and... That's right. Church, parents, everything. We just let the government do it all. Amen. It's like it's like it's like the same as going to church and get sending your kids to church to like kids church is because then they do all their biblical teaching and you don't actually have to do anything. It's kind of the same thing. But, but we can just send our kids to school and then we don't even have to go to church on Sunday and we're still Christians. Yes, right. because our church is our school. But you still have to go to church on Christian on Sunday because you made it a law. Uh, yeah, but we're still missing the other side of that coin. Whereas, OK, if if we're trying to enact laws that will force people into the mold of acting like Christians should act, that doesn't necessarily um, satisfy all the requirements because one of the one of the requirements that we have as Christian nationalists is we need to make sure that we are fighting against the efforts to turn our government into the Antichrist. Well, no, see, but the thing is, but the thing is, there won't be any of that internally, right? We will have fixed that with the laws. So now all we have to do is go on a crusade externally to make sure all other people groups and nations. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're still going to go to war against uh, Mexico because they're Catholic. Right. Um, so we're still going to have wars to fight for Jesus. It's just inside. We're going to all be Christians because it's easier for us. And then we will uh, begin colonizing the world to make the rest of the world Christian. Yes. Because, Again. because everyone knows you can't become a Christian if you're not okay. living, if you're living in a place where Christianity is outlawed. Correct. Right. So we've got to make Christianity the law everywhere. Yeah. Right. And you can't be a Christian if you don't have American culture either. Yes. Right. Right. Because the, the two are the same. Duh. Yeah. Yes. I think we're good. We can move on. Okay. Now that we've ha- now that we have our terms defined. Cool. Glad we figured that out. <laughs> Wait, why are you guys laughing? Because other people don't get it, Matt. How simple it would be to make everybody a Christian. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's pretty easy. Just like everybody is, you know, devoutly Muslim in every Islamic mm-hmm. country where it's mandated. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And just like there are only atheists in China. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. Well, no, I mean, to be fair, Caleb, they also exist in Russia. Mm. Anywhere there's communism. <laughs> and yes. it always looks great on paper. Yes. Cuba, right? Yep. Straight atheism. Yeah, Castro's yeah. dead, too. There's no Catholic church in Cuba. No, it's all atheists. Or there could be a Catholic church, but because they're not a Christian nationalist Catholic church, they're all godless. They're still atheists. And they're not Christians. Mm. Right. Man, there's a lot of problems that uh, that presents. So we gotta we gotta fight to get our laws. If only we had some sort of a uh, structure that told us about empire building the church up. We don't have any of those. No, I don't. So I'd like to uh, share a passage, <laughs> if if I may. Is that all right, friends? This is from a book. Yeah. So I'd like to talk about some uh, some sacred uh, sacred rituals and holy days. Okay. Have we have we have we thoroughly defined what Christian nationalism is, though? Um, I I think that we have not even remotely defined it. Uh, but Christianity today would say that Christian nationalism is the belief that the American nation is defined by Christianity, and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. 
it doesn't have to be the American nation, we should say. It can be any nation, but we happen to deal with American Christian nationalism. Right. We're we're in America. So we know that there's an international listening to this podcast, but we are uh, an American-centric podcast. So know that when you listen. So let's talk about some sacred rituals and holy days, shall we? Can I, can I say one more thing first? Um, at least on Wikipedia, it says, it defines it, Christian nationalism is Christianity-affiliated religious nationalism. Christian nationalists primarily focus on internal politics, such as passing laws that reflect their view of Christianity and its role in political and social life. Yep. And I clicked on where it said religious nationalism in that article. <laughs> oh, no. And so because just on a broader scale, because this could be applied to any right. religion, religious nationalism is the relationship of nationalism to a particular religious belief, dogma or affiliation. This relationship can be broken down into two aspects, the politicization of religion and the influence of religion on politics. And I feel like that is important. Right. Here are some sacred rituals and holy days. Okay. Of, of who? Well, we'll figure it out. Oh, okay. National Day of Prayer. Communists. It said national. No, we need to pray. Oh, we got that one. Oh, 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 I know, I know. National Feast or Holy Days. Would you like to talk some about some of those holy days? I think we just had one yesterday. It was fantastic. I had. We did Martin Luther King Day, huh? President's Day, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Veterans Day. My favorite, Labor Day. Thanksgiving. Um, some other rituals, state funerals, moments of silence, uh, the Congressional Chaplain, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, swearing uh, on the Bible. Talk about that one for a little bit. National Anthem at sporting events. Uh, and those are just the the ones where civil rituals are made religious. And we also have religious rituals that are made civil. So the Pledge of Allegiance in church, use of patriotic music in worship. Wait, 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 wait. What? Back up. Religious gatherings in times of national crisis. Prayer for those serving our country and or the troops in our churches. And these are religious rituals that are made civil. Okay. So just wanted to point out some things that might be not necessarily uh, Christian symbols that we baptize in Jesusness. I don't know. I think it's fine to do some of those things. I think it's fine to pray for the troops. I don't think necessarily think it's wrong to pray for the troops, but we have to recognize that what we're doing is bringing in the nationalism, the patriotism, into the church function. I don't know that that is if you're also praying for the people that you're at war with. Well, you know what? You're right. Uh, I will let you go ahead and count how many churches are doing that. Let me know when you get past two. <laughs> how frequently are we praying for the troops too? Is this a 4th of July Veterans Day? Like, is this when we're doing it? Or are you legitimately praying for them all the time because you are concerned for their safety and you recognize the service they're providing to allow you to live in a place where you can do what you want? Or are you doing it because that's what you're supposed to do on that day? Uh, I, I'm going to say that I, I think that that is definitely a thing. Um, if it's if it's part of your regular liturgy, as you're praying for the troops and for your nation and also for your enemies, I'm all for it. Yes, I, I will agree with that. But if you're only doing it because Sunday was on the 4th of July, that's kind of weird. And, and it, the thing is... We do these things without thinking about them. Well, I think that is the problem. Right. The The indoctrination of American propaganda is so incredibly effective that we just do them because that's just part of who we are. Whoever came up with the American propaganda deserves four gobles. <laughs> I have to say, I don't know if I've ever actually voluntarily 
prayed for our troops in my own personal time ever. I've prayed well, honey, for repent. my I've prayed for the individuals that I love who are in the military because mm. yeah. So apparently I need to repent according to my patriarch over here. If he repents for you, I think it works. <laughs> it's part of my daily liturgy where I pray both for our army and for the armies that we're fighting against. That's part of what I pray in my daily prayers. I pray for both, which some people would say, you're crazy for praying for the people that you're at war with. And then I would say, well, I try to follow this guy named Jesus. Have you heard of him? Can I just say it's a lot easier to have a regular prayer life when you don't have kids? <laughs> it, it was. It was. I don't remember those times, so I don't know this. <laughs> I, I don't have a comparison. I don't know what's easier or harder. I'm still single. Okay, so Caleb's take take away take away number one. Uh, they're not our troops, and the opposing side is not their troops. They're all Jesus's, and we should pray for all of them. Okay, take away number one. Check. Well, I think so. To, to that scenario, you look at like what the angel of the Lord says to Joshua mm-hmm. when they're about to start fighting Jericho, and now there's a textual disagreement. But I think the best evidence is that. You know, when Joshua says, whose side are you on? He says, neither. And and that's a really hard thing to sit with and listen to because he's saying, like, I'm not on one of these sides. I'm not here. Like, that's not what I'm doing because I love them, too. They just are going to get the comeuppance of their sin. And that's that's a difficult thing for us to wrestle with sometimes because we just think God is on our side and why we should win all the time. Well, when you're so good at winning... Why would we think about anything else? Right. Well, we as Americans, we often think that the only reason World War II was won was because we entered the war. Well, yeah. And then we dropped a big old bomb and then we dropped another one and then it was over. That was that's all it took. But we know it's demonstrably false based on history Mm -hmm. because the Russian war machine was spinning up and would have won on that side. We didn't have to get involved. Now, I think it went a little quicker because we were there. But to say it was a requirement that we, you know, they only got out of it because we won. Well, first off, that's American exceptionalism, which is problematic. Well, we're exceptional, so I don't know why that's problematic, Matt. But but it also ignores the judgment of God on a sinful group, right? Like we have people who are doing incredibly 12 million people died. Right. The the consequence of sin is going to catch up to you and especially when 12 million people die. So why do we think that that wasn't God working in those moments? It was just America, especially when the Germans made a whole crap ton of really bad decisions. Right. It wasn't like one or two. There was a consistent bad decision making process. Matt, I think that you are miscalculating this because the belief isn't that America did it. It's that God used America to do it because God blesses America. Nuance. Yes. If that's the case, then God blessed Babylon. God. America is God's chosen country. That's why we were able to do it. No, no, no. That's definitely Israel. I definitely heard Donald Trump say it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Heard it both ways. And so we just have to bless Israel no matter what they do to retaliate against things that they cause. Um, We just have to bless them anyways. And then we'll be God's blessed nation, but we're not his chosen nation because that's Israel. We're just blessed by him. Right. I don't know, man. It's not how I was raised. This this God seems like a magic dealer. Uh, Matt, I'm glad that you finally gotten to that part 
that is exactly how it works. The Bible is magic. We say the right things and we just get what he wants. Hocus pocus. Thank you. You've got to say the right incantation, make the right sacrifices. Thankfully, generally not blood sacrifices in our... Maybe restart capital uh, punishment for federal crimes. You know, make the right sacrifices. Absolutely. Oh, hmm. yeah, that works. Oh, yeah, that was the thing that, yeah, we made the sacrifices. <laughs> yep. In this And in this conversation, we're using the term our to mean America, right? Yeah, I already said we're an American-centric podcast. America! Yep, American-centric podcast. So we're identifying as Americans, all right? Ah, damn. So that that's, um, I mean, that's one of the essentially hallmarks of Christian nationalism is that I, my allegiance to America or my allegiance to my nation um, is something that does not conflict with allegiance to Jesus, I don't think that we're talking about an allegiance to America here in this conversation, though. Not from us. We're talking about how we are part of this community, which is America. And as such, we are responsible to identify with our history and our historic sins. Okay. Um, So it is us. This is not us saying that we are infallible or we are allegiant. But as part of this community, which is America... um, it was our action. I think that the Christian nationalist part is where we take what has happened and say that that was a good thing and that that was our religion and the Christian thing to do was all of this. And I don't think, I mean, we did in a satirical way, but I I don't think that that's what we're saying. That was satire? Nate, I think the problem that you brought up here is that we live in a world where um, sometimes identity equals allegiance. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's the way it should be, right? Like, I identify as an American, but I'm, I'm not allegiant to the nation over anything. Like, if someone else came off with a better deal, eh, maybe I'd go there. <laughs> like, I'm a free agent. Well, there's lots of better deals around the world. Well, you you darn well better know that you're not allegiant to those leftist socialists. Yeah, but it's not easy to just pick up and move around the world. It's a little difficult, Yeah. Um, (laughs) not as if I haven't looked into it, but it it is a little difficult. So, you know, uh, the allegiance that you have, uh, can, can be different to exemplify this. There are many people who identify as Christians, but they wouldn't necessarily be allegiant to Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so your identity sometimes doesn't mean the same as your allegiance. And that's something that, um, we have messed up in our rhetoric did we mess up that in our rhetoric or were the two intentionally uh mixed together i don't know the history so i uh, have a good answer for you well we started putting in god we trust on our mammon in the 50s thanks eisenhower so i'm gonna say that the mixture of uh church and state was done on purpose well the thing is though i don't know if you can say the mixture of church and state is the same as identity and allegiance mixing because and i say that because i don't think that that's a particularly american problem like well let me rephrase that it's not a it's not a problem when it comes to patriotism or nationalism because it's also a problem when it comes to um our faith it is also a problem when it comes to uh what what else am I thinking of? What else could be a problem there? Wise woman. I wasn't listening. Kids these days. Um, like it it becomes a problem when it comes to your phone, right? 
raise your hand if you're an iPhone user. That's how I identify. But I'm not I'm not allegiant to Apple, although some people Oh, I'm definitely allegiant to Apple. I mean, I, I'm pretty allegiant to Apple. <laughs> but some people are, right? Like, if there's a... T- I mean, look, I love... I want that new uh, Microsoft Windows phone. Like, that one looks really sweet. The Duo. You gross. So, is, is it a problem, then? To, yeah, I, in church, is it a problem to say the Pledge of Allegiance? Yes. Absolutely. I think that it's a problem to pledge your allegiance to something that isn't Christ in the space where we say that we're worshiping. But But the nation is under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. No, it's under Canada. Yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about in the pledge, honey. (laughs) Do you remember the Pledge of Allegiance? Yeah. It says under God, but we put in God we trust on our money. We put both of those things in there in the 50s to be anti-communist. And Jesus specifically says you cannot worship both God and money. Yet we put in God we trust on our money. So the idea that we would say under God, and that's a reason to do it, just because in God we trust is on our money doesn't mean we can worship our money. And just because the Pledge of Allegiance says under God doesn't mean that we're pledging allegiance to God or that it's appropriate in church. And just because in God we trust is on our money doesn't mean that we're using our money in a godly way. Yeah. Also, we don't really trust God when it comes to our money. But it reminds us to trust God instead of trusting the money because it's right there on it. Right. It, it tells us. It teaches us. Our money teaches us. And I'm just going to collect all the $100 bills that I can and use them as a reminder to trust God. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah. No. When, if ever, do you, each of you, each of us, have a recollection of being uncomfortable saying the Pledge of Allegiance? Hmm. The first time I was uncomfortable? Yeah. Probably first grade. Yeah, second grade. My birthday is July 4th, so I get like... Happy birthday! There's like a lot of... Thanks! My bir- There's like a lot of like nationalism kind of like overlapping my birthday memories for a lot of years. So I have really kind of negative Bum. memories of patriotic events from a really young age. Mm. I think, uh, I mean, honestly, it, it, it didn't really dawn on me for a while. Mm-hmm. I was in a really... Again, we had follow the flag yesterday. In my hometown. So, like, Christian nationalism is pretty baked in. And so, I, I it was probably until I was a lot older. I mean, I don't stand... I mean, whenever I'm at a, uh, a sporting event and the national anthem plays, I end up just standing at attention. Yeah. Because, you know, that's drilled into you. Um, But I don't say the pledge anymore. Well, I don't think I know... I, I don't know if I, how... It was pretty recent, probably, because um grew up in a Baptist church, not an AG church, for a good time, good amount of time. But what I remember distinctly is actually being uncomfortable about the kids in my high school who refused to say the Pledge of Allegiance when we were at our ASB meetings. Mm. And I think... Were they JWs? No. Oh. Um, I think that I misunderstood their decision not to... <laughs> Um, because I think I thought it was about like under God being in the pledge when I think they were actually now looking back. I think that, um, a lot of the folks who decided not to say the pledge of allegiance was because they didn't want to pledge allegiance to America because they didn't have the same nationalistic pride Mm -hmm. as was instilled in me from a young age. Well, and I think part of it is, okay, so I'm going to rewind to, I didn't get to answer. And oh, I thought you said something. But no, your patriarch spoke already. Screw you. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> so I didn't grow up in the church mm. or her answer is going to be a lot more interesting at all. <laughs> and so, you know, so by the time I reached like a religious understanding of like pledging allegiance, because I like I played the national anthem at football games and basketball games at my high school graduation. I was a trumpet player. So Jose, can you? It's Sorry. about a Spanish guy. Um, so Angels in the outfield, right? I'm not crazy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Matt. Um, oh, so nice. we, um, so like, I mean, I, I played the national anthem. Um, I played taps at the music camp that I played at for, uh, for nighttime, all those things. Um, and then in college, like you don't say the pledge anymore at events. Like you don't. Like, we have the National Anthem at sporting events, but you don't say the Pledge of Allegiance before class. You don't say mm-hmm. it in the morning or whatever. We didn't in high school either. Yeah, because it's weird. Because it, it is a little Except weird. Except for ASB. So, the high school I taught at and the middle school I taught at, we did the pledge on Monday mornings, like once a week on Monday mornings. Interesting. But it was a solid, like, six years of not doing the Pledge of Allegiance ever, which is when I came to faith in college. And then it was the 2015-2016 election that really made me very uncomfortable. Grateful to be an American? Love this country. Not quite where I was going. <laughs> um, Pledge your undying devotion to a country that you would then storm the capital of four years later? That's correct. Yeah, it just, it, it as I was... Like for the country, processing things and under- growing more in my understanding of like social issues. And Nate and I were kind of wrestling with more of those political things. This was before I was even on staff at the church. Now, I, I just was like, oh, Paul would be rolling in his grave, like pledging allegiance to a flag to Rome. Can you imagine Paul being asked to pledge allegiance to Rome? I just can't. And so that, that right there Whipping made me the crowds go, into a frenzy. Yeah. I, like, he would have just like held out his arms for cuffs. Like, just come on. We both know what's happening. Just take me back to prison. Just take me back. It's fine. I'm used to it. We'll be here in the morning. We'll have a chat. Whatever. So here's the thing. I think that uh, part of the the problem is that we have a, the Jesus who is only here to save our sins and to take us to heaven later. He's saving our sins. He is. He's bottling them up to pour out the wrath from them on others. That's right. He's just sanctifying those activities. Uh, it's mind bottling, you know, where you bottle, you bottle up your emotions. Um, but we have this Jesus who is not a ruler. He'll be a ruler later, but for now he has to have America to be the ruler for him. And that's been, if your gospel is, justification by faith and doesn't include a Jesus who's king, it's real easy to think that America needs to be there to rule things. I'll be there for you. Yeah. But all kings are bad. Except for Jesus. Uh, I know that that's what uh, the Declaration of Independence says, but uh, I'm, I'm going to hear, I'm going to say this real clearly. The founders were wrong. Ooh. It's treason right there. Certain inalienable rights. Inalienable by who? Yeah, I was going to say, the inalienable rights that we didn't allow the people who were native to this land to have, that we didn't allow people who were slaves in this country to have. It's like, these are inalienable rights, but not for you, or you, or you, 
or you endowed by their creator. So I, I mean, it's been a minute since I read the whole text again, but I don't remember the pursuit of happiness being uh, an alienable right endowed by my creator. I don't, I don't remember reading that. Yeah, I feel like Job would have something to say about that, right? I mean, he could pursue it. Poor Job. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Also, the original was life, liberty, and the pursuit of property, which is a whole other problem. Which is people. Right. Yeah, women and slaves. And I want to say that, like, those founding documents put forward some ideals. And I don't think that those ideals were bad. But they're also ideals that we did not live up to at the time, nor have we lived up to since. So I, I don't want to say that giving people the right to life and liberty and happiness, I think those are good things. Sure. But when you have two million people in prison, I have a hard time believing that you mean that. Well, and I, I have a harder time saying that those are endowed by a creator. Um, I mean, I don't think that liberty is not you have liberty. But your liberty in Christ is to be a slave. Your, your liberty in Christ is found in your chains to devotion to him. Right. So it's it's hard. So that's not – it's a right endowed by your creator so that you can be not. Life? No. You have been given the opportunity to die to yourself by your creator. But when you die to yourself, you get new life. Sure. But your, your goal isn't the new life. Your goal is to die to self. Well, uh, no, no, no. Your goal is that new life, but that's only found through death on the cross. Why are we making goals? Because that's what we do as Americans. I think that that would be wrong to say that your goal isn't that new life, but it's found through death to self. Fair enough. I'll give you that. So, but the idea that the rights are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that's just problematic. When you're boiling everything down to that as the core of what is endowed as a, as right, what are endowed as rights... Then, yeah, there's a problem there. Well, and again, Jefferson uses the creator because he's a deist. He doesn't use God Jesus. for a specific reason. Yeah. He, uh, you know, there's much to be said about a Christian founding of the nation when it was founded by deists, um, especially deists like Thomas Jefferson, right? Who just has his own version of the Bible. Matt, I, I just think that we have to recognize that a deist is no different than somebody who calls themselves a Christian and thinks that if they say the right things or pray the right prayers, that God will answer them. It's the exact same thing. No, no, because a deist doesn't think that God will interact with the world. But the person who says that if I say the right things, they also don't believe that God interacts in the world in a personal way. They think it's formulaic, which is essentially the same. All right, I'll give you that. Oh, in the end, there's a problem. And and I want to say, finally, if, if I can, I don't know if it'll be final or not, but we'll figure that out later. Yeah, I doubt that. It probably won't be because I have a couple plots. But here's the thing. We have people who will love to quote a verse at you. And the verse I'm thinking of is avoid the appearance of evil. But when it comes to Christian nationalism. Yeah, that only applies to riding in cars with women. No, no, Amanda, it doesn't just apply to that. It's not just in cars with women. Or offices or coffee shops. Elevators. Elevators. Man, let me tell you how many Entire times. Entire buildings. Think about how many times we've gotten it on in an elevator. Yeah, elevators have, are, are really a, a, a tripping hazard in our spiritual walk. Elevators are sexy. There is a problem with this idea that like we, the people who say you, you have to avoid the appearance of evil are the same people who are coming up real close to the actual evil that is 
Christian nationalism. And no one wants to avoid that evil. They just want to avoid all the other ones. My granny always said, hit dog hollers first. And justify the means, though. Or what I was thinking when I was over there was the same people who are so hyper-focused on the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness tend to be the extreme conservatives who, um, who are anti- LGBT who are anti the civil rights stuff like historically when like if we're talking about what that we're endowed with the life liberty and pursuit of happiness okay so then so much of the uh yeah yeah yeah, but not not if you're a guy and want to marry a guy then you cannot have liberty and the pursuit of happiness the pursuit of your happiness ends but I don't know honey I don't know if that's actually because I do feel like the those who would just quote scripture at you to point you back to the founding fathers making this a christian nation wouldn't necessarily quote the declaration of independence in that way i don't know that that's necessarily a fair equivalency that's possible and and i want to say something before we move on here um of course mm, he does but i want to say that we don't hate america right right speak for yourself <laughs> Yeah, that was Matt, everybody. So all all who are listening, that was Matt. All of our tens of <laughs> listeners. We have definite issues with the things that America has done, how we've treated people. Um, but this mm-hmm. this whole thing doesn't mean that we hate this country. We're all Americans. We all live in this country. We all work for the good of this country. And sometimes working for the good of the place where you live means recognizing where there isn't good in the place that you live. And so as part of living out what the Bible calls us to, that means recognizing and changing from those bad things that we have done. And that requires saying them out loud, which is part of what we've done here. So us talking about the things that America's done, the bad things, the things that are harmful in Christian nationalism, that's not a saying that we're saying that these people who do these things are bad people. That's not us saying that this is a bad country in a unique way that other countries aren't also bad. This is a recognition that we need to do things differently going forward. Well put, Caleb. Yeah, and and I think, Caleb, to your point, one of the worst things that we can say is, well, we're not as bad as. Yes. Yes. Right. As if that's our only goal is to be better than them. Right. Because when Christ calls us to repent of our sins, he doesn't say only when you're worse than somebody else, because we are to pull out the log in our eye before we pull out the speck in our brother's eye. And if you think about it, if the log is in your eye, it looks bigger than the speck in your brother's eye. It can be the exact same size of a sin. Yeah. And you better fix your own log. Before you start saying, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Caleb keeps talking about my log and I'm uncomfortable. The log in your eye is a different log than that other log at the other part of your body, Matt. And I just want to say, I just want to say one quick thing to add to what you said about we want to, what, how did you put it, Caleb? We want to better the yeah. country. We want to better America. Or I didn't write that down. I don't know what words I use. So I have to go back and listen. Whatever word you used, phrase, we're all working for the you know, the improvement of our country. So the thing is, is that what we were, what we're rejecting is the false dichotomy that if you don't love everything about our country, then you hate our country. Okay. So we're rejecting that because the way that we see we can improve things from where they are 
and hopefully see more of the kingdom of God enacted in the world is by listening and actually processing what's actually taking place out there Mm -hmm. and what's taking place in my corner of this country and how can we treat people better? How can we improve? Which takes the humility to hear somebody out when they say this is something that's harmful. All that sounds really good, but also like critical theory to me. And so Marxist, Marxist, Marxist. All of my critical race theory books are all in a Kindle. So I can't be accused of having them when people look at my bookshelves. (laughs) (laughs) To summarize all of that, basically, is that we the things that we care about in our lives in general, we want to continually be improving or we want to get better. We don't say to our kids, oh, well, you know, you learned how to write one letter. That's fine. You know, you don't need to learn the whole alphabet. Um, Wait, we don't say that to our kids? No, no. We we... don't say that to our kids. You do whatever you want, Yeah, It's okay to say that to other people's kids, right? I I just think there's a presupposition that of the negative feelings towards America, which I have some of those, to be honest. But it's only it's because we care about the church and it's because we care about the kingdom mm. of God and it's because we care about America that we want to see it bettered and want to see it live up to the ideals that it was supposedly founded on and not just uh, give lip service to those ideals. Supposedly. Well, the thing is too, it's okay to be proud of, of where you live and proud of the yeah the community and the successful nation that you're a part of and that you inevitably have a role to play in, especially if you're paying taxes and as a working member of society, you have a role in that and it's okay to be proud of that. But where we where we go wrong is a lot of people don't have the opportunity to sit and talk with other people about how their pride for what they're doing affects how they're treating other people. Yeah. A lot of people take the blessing they've received, they live in this great country, they have a they have a job, they're paying into the tax system, and they, they take that and they hold it over other people's heads because they don't understand why that person wasn't able to do it. And that, that's a lot of this is you say, okay, well, I've done this, this, and this in my life. I've followed these rules. I've followed this religion, and it's worked out for me. Everyone should be doing the same thing. And they go. it goes back to making it formulaic. We want to have a one plus one equals two. And, and it just doesn't work that way. And most people don't have the forum to sit around and, and discuss how to make that happen without trying to use these formulas that they have had shoved down their throat, basically. Thank you for not actually dropping the mic. Just take it and throw it. I have this one, which I think is a good one. Oh, no, not her. Wait, who? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Honey. Gosh. No, this is definitely- I get no respect. I tell you, I get no respect. Listen, this one's on brand, though, because we can have Nate tell Rebecca why it's right. And you can tell Amanda. No, I know what side my bread's buttered on. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should make Nate read it. July 2, 2021, at Godly Womanhood on Twitter, also known as The Transformed Wife. Quote, it's shameful- how many Christian parents are sending their daughters off to secular colleges for careers instead of wanting them under their father's roof for protection? 
if young women are active in sewing, cooking, and other homemaking pursuits and are not lazy, let them stay home. End quote. I, Th- can I, thanks, Daddy. I liked... Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, you're never allowed to speak to me again. <laughs> First off, I'd like to agree with part of this statement. If young women are active in sewing, cooking, and other homemaking pursuits and are not lazy, yeah, sure, they can stay home. But also, what if they want to go to college? Okay, let them go to college. They're making choices. The problem here is that this woman, I assume it's a woman. The problem is her husband didn't proofread this tweet. That's true. The name is confusing. It is the transformed wife. So it might be a man. Yeah, who knows? But uh, the problem is that... The, the idea that fathers send their co- kids to college is part of the problem. When my kid goes to college, if she goes to college, it'll be because she wants to, yeah. not because I sent her there. So there's a, a worldview problem. Just It says parents send their children. It does say parents. It does say parents. It doesn't say fathers. Uh, you know, but let's be honest. The father is sending them. Have you seen this? But it's the father's roof that they stay under. I'm just, I'm just looking at the text. You can't reply to her stuff. You can't. Yeah, you cannot reply to her tweets. No. You can retweet them with a quote, but you can't reply to her tweets. You, you can't reply because if you read her other stuff, it's just oof. We didn't read the, de- the description of this individual. Oh, go ahead. I just want to know. It says a wife, a mother, a grandma and a keeper at home. What is she keeping at home? Is it illegal cats? Her Tell damn me. self. Tell me it's illegal cats. <laughs> What is there to discuss? Uh, I think that there's not much, which is why I chose it. Because I just wanted, like, we can be outraged at the ridiculousness of saying that women shouldn't go to college. um, And then we can move on and not have something big to discuss. No, no. No, no. She's not okay with them going to secular universities. Right. No, no. They can go to a Christian college because everybody knows that they get their MRS degree. That's right. So I found this interesting. Well, I have to say, when I went... Amanda got hers and didn't even have to go to college. I was just already an expert. Yes. So <laughs> what was interesting is when I was in college right before um, I was going to go on the, on the mission trip that Nate and I actually became friends on and then started dating. So ironically, it worked out. My dad, like, didn't want me to go on the trip or, like, he... Um, he was like concerned that my involvement with Chi Alpha and like all these different things were just about getting my MRS degree. Like as we were having this conversation about whether I was going to go on this mission trip or not. And he was right. I mean, technically, yes, he was right. Cause then Nate and I became friends and like, then we got married. But I remember telling him like this, this, this isn't why I'm at college, but if I happen, like, but if I do meet someone who wants the same things I do and we get to like explore life together, then great like that's icing on the cake but that's not why i'm here and and yet now in hindsight i'm going well maybe i don't blame him for being concerned of me getting involved in a christian like organization at a college and being concerned that i was going to be like derailed from being able to like do what i wanted to do and so in hindsight i see more Mm. of Mm. maybe him that is not where I thought you were going with that. No, but but just the more I'm reflecting on it, the huh. more I recognize that maybe his intent wasn't, maybe he wasn't being as much of a jackass in the moment as I felt he was at the time. Well, I just want to say he probably was still being a jackass, but he wasn't wrong. Right, exactly. And so now, especially now understanding like the history 
of the evangelical world and push and, and all those things. I get it. Um, I get that concern. I just didn't see it at the time because I was like, I, I, I still want to travel like and I wouldn't I would want somebody who would do that with me. Like, why is that wrong? But it feeds into what Miss Transformed Wife. I just want to say to at Transformed Wife or whatever your handle is, do you need help? Like, I read through some of her other tweets and I'm like, are you being like abused? Like, you know, she's very, the very least like had some spiritual abuse in her child raising years. Like to, to quote her, whenever I teach wives to be submissive, physical abuse comes up. Many want to equate submission with abuse. What about the thousands of wives who physically abuse their husbands? Is it due to submission? No. Angry or evil people abuse. Submission has nothing to do with abuse. That's one of her tweets. So I'm honestly concerned that maybe she's abusive to her husband. That sounds like something she was told when she was being gaslit. That's what I'm reading here. See, and I read it the other way, that that's something someone said to her when she tried to bring up a concern about something. See, no, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe she's the abusive spouse in their relationship because most of her tweets are abusive. But go, if you scroll up, there's another tweet that says, if your husband says that, oh, I got better go before I get in trouble, then you're treating him like a child instead of a, a partner that he, you shouldn't be mad at him for silly things like that. I'm just saying, I'd be more concerned that she's the abusive spouse in the relationship. Anything is possible, but... If you need help, reach out. Well, now I'm glad we didn't talk about the other tweets. So as we talk about Shikari Richardson, the uh, record breaker. Oh, gosh, she's so badass. Isn't she, though? Can't say that, honey. It's a curse word. I just did. Uh, I've, I post a couple links. I'd like to... Uh, Entertain. I'd like to read this paragraph because I find it interesting. Marijuana isn't thought to enhance performance, but remains banned because according to the USADA, the drug meets two of the three criteria listed by the World Anti-Doping Agency for something to be added to its prohibited list. A. It poses a health risk to athletes. B. It has the potential to enhance performance. And C, it violates the spirit of the sport. So obviously it's not B, so it's A and C, which means it poses a health risk to athletes. Even though there's been no studies that do that. Show that, Uh uh-huh. And it violates the spirit of the sport. So it slowed her down? Which is not true. Which is not true. You know how I know that? Because I've watched Cops. And every time someone has marijuana, what do they do? They run. So it actually is is deeply in the spirit of the sport. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it poses a health risk to athletes. Here's the thing. We know that marijuana does can maybe cause cancer, but because we can't study it because it's a class one drug, which is stupid. We can't do the studies on it. We need to. Actually, Matt, that's not entirely true. We've done lots of studies on it. And found that we can't link it to cancer. And by we, I mean every country that's not America, because America can't study it. So, so Olympic athletes aren't are, aren't allowed to drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes either, right? No, no, they can definitely normally drink alcohol, and they're actually given condoms so they can have sex with whoever they want. But it poses a health risk. Hey, IOC time. And it's not in the spirit of the sport. Because if you show because up drunk, you show up drunk you ain't meet, running. you're not competing. All right, so you shouldn't be able to drink when you're not competing. 
that's not illegal. So basically, it has nothing to do with this and everything to do with race. You're telling me it has nothing to do with science. No, no, no. It's not everything to do with race. The drug kit doesn't can't tell that you're black. So she can't read. I, I, and I haven't, I haven't read into it. But she, did, she can't race in this Olympics or period. Yes, but marijuana is only illegal because of black people. She can't race for the next month. Okay, the next month. Uh, which eliminated her from the uh, 100 herself, but she might be able to run the four by one. She better be able to run the four by one, or I'm not watching a lick of the Olympics. Wait, but skateboarding is an Olympic sport now, Matt. I have to see how. Do- doesn't matter. Yeah, you think? Did they test those guys for drugs? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Tony Hawk over here. <laughs> Tony Hawk's old. Yeah, I think Tony Hawk's straight edge. Hey, don't say a word against Tony Hawk. He is a great man and an American and amazing and tall. He's the only professional skater the, I've ever the known. patron saint <laughs> of skaters. I didn't say anything about him, um, but his mullet is kind of weird. If you haven't followed Tony Hawk on Twitter, you should at least go look at his page because he is now at the age where people don't know that he's Tony Hawk, but they can tell that they're supposed to know who he is. And he tweets about those interactions and it is so good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh man. I probably wouldn't recognize him if I saw him. Oh, it was the COVID test. It was the COVID test one where he signed, he signed up as Anthony Hawk. Oh no. And it's like, Hey, are you, do you know? And he's like, yeah, that's me. He's like, oh. <laughs> I'm a really, I, I'm going to be really, yeah, disappointed if she doesn't get to run in the 100. She won't get to run in the 100. In the, in, in the relay. Um, because girl's a beast. Um, yeah, but as, as we all know, marijuana is against the spirit of the sport. So for those who didn't, who haven't like followed the story, she smoked weed um, or used whatever um to cope with her biological mother's death um and so it was a choice made like out of grief Mm -hmm. the week before the olympic trials Mm -hmm. and and i I just think that that's relevant or it's a it's a pertinent point because i mean and she's owned i don't know what she should have done is gone to a psychiatrist and gotten the same effects from a drug that's not illegal or right or had alcohol right well, that's a different effect, though. Because that's legal. Right, but then she wouldn't have been disqualified. So, <clears throat> but let's talk about, too, one 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 of those items you can get on the corner for 10 bucks, 20 bucks. One costs how many hundreds of dollars per hour in an office? Well, that was my point. And because we're expecting people who are fraught with grief to make reasonable choices. The thing that people right. that have lots of money can that's do. What I do. Um, is what's acceptable. But the thing that has the same effect for virtually no money is illegal. And and the thing is, what's what's wild about this situation, and to me, is that 10 years ago, she would not have gotten this level of support. It's yeah. true. But we're all like, it's marijuana. Back up off. Like, sh- she's running. Like, And so the the public outcry has been insane. And I think we're seeing... A move. Deterioration of our society, Matt. Listen, if they're putting air fryer instructions on the back of the pizza rolls bag, marijuana should be legal. Do they have air fryer instructions on pizza rolls? Yes. They do. 
It's new. I'm going to have to buy an air fryer now because the microwave is going to be like removed from social acceptance. Let me just tell you something, Amanda. We have an air fryer. We got it for Christmas. Well, my mom got it for Christmas, but that means I have it since I live here. Yes, and you love it. It's fabulous. It does everything great. It cooks pizza rolls so good. Like other things, they're okay. But pizza rolls out of the air fryer is the best way to eat pizza rolls. It makes mozzarella sticks really well, too, I have to say. Like you can't do like actual fried things. Like don't try to make like fried chicken type things. It doesn't do that. But you can do shake and bake really well. And you can air fry pizza rolls. And they're amazing. The new... 2021 World Anti-Doping Code newly classifies THC as a, quote, substance of abuse. Yes. Because it is frequently used in society outside the context of sport. But it wasn't, see, THC wasn't previously banned. You didn't know that part of the story? But it's not a, but it's not a substance of abuse. But you didn't, you didn't know that this is a new, THC was just added this year? You didn't know that? Oh, yeah. No. That's part of the story. Well, it says newly classifies, but but to go back, a substance of abuse? Alcohol is a substance of abuse. Marijuana is not. There have been studies that show that you can chemically be dependent on alcohol and not THC. You're missing the point here. It's the fact that it's cheap. Because methamphetamines are illegal, but Adderall is fine. It's the same drug. It's speed for white people. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's not like the same application of the drug. But yes. But it is. If you're taking Adderall illegally, it is. Right, right. I mean, illegally, quote unquote, you could get a prescription. Right. It's the same drug. So it's it's all a matter of we're making this illegal and you should have got an antidepressant. The lack of grace that we show for people when they're grieving just astounds me because she's prepping for the Olympic trials, right? How How busy is she? She's running hot training how many days a week now she's got this grief like she's just got all these things she's going to through and I, I we're gonna crush her dream because she did what she needed to do to get through a really difficult season in her life as we Christians like to say it because she used a drug that was legal in the state where she was yeah I mean it's I mean again part of the yeah it's just wild to me it's wild. This is something that needs to get fixed in this legislative term. Um, yeah. Well, Caleb, we had such a good time talking about Christian nationalism and... And energy balls and vanilla yogurt. Racism and drugs. And soggy pizza rolls. Good luck on the edit. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I'm at like an hour and 40 minutes now. Yep. I'm going to stop recording now. So, all you podcast listeners... Amanda's going to say bye now. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Barely Saved Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes at barelysavedpodcast.com. Goodbye. Don't let your rolls get soggy. No soggy bottoms here. Did you see what he did? Turned and froze. No. Oh, that his books are color coordinated. Oh, yes. Oh, no. I noticed that right from the get-go, but I didn't comment. It's the worst way to... Honestly, I've had... They're organized like this, and I made justifications about how I could remember what the colors of the books are, but the truth is... It's just a mess. Half of these books are colored different on the front than they are on the little spine. <laughs>
And so even nice. when I remembered the color of the book, it doesn't help because the book is orange, but then the spine is black. And so it's over here, but it should be over there because it's orange and I can't find a darn thing on my bookshelves. So later on this week, I have to take all the bookshelves off and fix them. Okay. I have a solution for you because you could tag them. By, so Matt found this website where you put in the ISBN and it catalogs all the information of your books, right? <gasps> Just put a tag on it on what color the spine is. And then no, no, when no, no, you... No, 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 Yeah, you just have a little library book. We're, we're, we, are, we are undoing the whole color coordinated system. And we're going to go back to the only system that makes sense, which is by topic. I can yeah, accept that, but it does look nice. So, so we do. Too. Okay, so I say we alphabetical lightly... within topical. Okay, exactly. so this, this this whole conversation so about how books fiction, are arranged, we should move back to talking about the only colors that matter, which are red, white, and blue. <laughs> that was an amazing <laughs> transition. The colors I'm, I'm I so sad and happy all at the same time. The colors <laughs> of the wind. Okay, so. Oh. Which, by the way, my potato salad was sad because those potatoes were more purple than blue after they were cooked. And so uh, it was like red, white, and purple potato salad. That's what happens. That's what happens when you cook blue potatoes. Amanda's face is like... <laughs> potato salad should be yellow because it has mustard in it and that's it. Not if it has ranch and bacon. That's not potato salad. That's casserole. No, it's still potato salad because you eat it cold. You're wrong. I, I refuse to accept this reality. We can move on.